You've decided you want to fire Jim. You need to fire Jim. Do you have a plan about how you're going to do it? My plan is to talk to you and have you tell me how I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I got um, that's kind of a hail mary play you're making there, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. Each week, we talk to listeners who are trying to figure out how to solve one of life's big problems, like how to withstand pain or how to find your soulmate. Then we do some research and we track down an expert and get their advice to see if it helps. This week, we're talking with the owner of a small business who's having a hard time with one of his employees. My name is Gabriel Silverman. I live in Missoula, Montana. I started a company called Gecko Designs at a young age when I was in high school. You've been basically doing this your entire life. And, and how many employees do you have? So my wife and I are both technically employees. And um, in addition to the two of us, we have seven full-time employees. To understand why Gabe reached out to us, you first have to know that even though he's the boss, he doesn't really think of himself that way. No, I don't like being the boss. And managing employees is not something that I like, and it's not something that I'm good at. When we bought our building and remodeled it, we, we made a private office. And I thought, well, I'll be, I'm the boss. I'll be in the private office. And so initially, that's where I was. And I hated it. Um, all, our staff was out together um, doing their work, talking, laughing at YouTube videos, doing the things that we'd always done. And I was isolated there in the important owner's office. And Pretty quickly, I dragged my desk out of there and set up with the team because that's where I want to be. So t tell me what's going on that you're struggling with. The problem that we're having now is we have an employee, and we can call him Jim, and he's a, a really nice guy and works really hard. Uh, you know, I don't have any issues with him other than just the quality of work. So we're, we're you know, we do a lot of technical work programming, and. It's just not up to the level that we need it to be. So what we've started to do is uh, avoid giving him projects or at least projects that are, are important. And, and, and that means that there's very few things that we can have him do. And, and how long has Jim been with you in the company? I think about three years. Gabe has had multiple conversations with Jim about improving his work and, and learning how to use new software and, and lots of other things that Jim can do to get better at his job. But none of those chats have really worked. And the thing is now, it's really making life hard for Gabe's other employees. The staff coming to me and saying, this is really a problem. They would never say, you need to get rid of him. But complaining and, uh, and, and bringing up issues and saying, we don't want him working on, on any of our projects because it's just not done well. I'm not happy about uh, showing it to the client or I can't show it to the client. It wasn't a surprise to me. It's just that I would much rather keep somebody on than terminate somebody's employment. What makes this so difficult for Gabe is that when he thinks about how getting fired could affect Jim's life, it seems heartless. How are they going to pay their mortgage or pay their rent or pay, make their car payment? Because one day I came in and said, you know what, you're not, you're not doing this, this, and this. And so you need to go find another job. And I'm sorry. Um, yeah. That, that's terrible. And, and I do not want to be the person that, that is responsible for ending somebody's employment, particularly for somebody who's a really nice person, somebody that I respect. They're just not quite up to speed. 
But it sounds like you have decided that you have to fire Jim. Is that right? I think so. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather just, if, if we could afford and if it didn't bother the staff, I'd rather just keep them doing things that, uh, that keep him busy and, and keep paying him and, uh, you know, maybe hire somebody else in addition. And, you know, every once in a while we'd have a project to that, that, that we can give to this person, to Jim. Um, but I understand that, 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 that that's not fair for a zillion different reasons. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like what you just said to me, actually, like we should keep this guy employed and then hire someone else to do his job. That sounds a little crazy to be honest. Right. Right. I get that. Yeah. You don't have to have a business degree to, to understand that that just doesn't make sense. You know, one of the things I think about is if we didn't have this employee, what revenue would that free up to give raises to the rest of the staff? Well, and and let me ask you, like, do you have a plan right now? Like, like you, you've decided you want to fire Jim, you need to fire Jim. Do you have a plan about how you're going to do it? My plan is to talk to you and have you tell me how I'm going to do it. And what I'm hoping is that, that you'll tell me some easy way to do it that makes everybody feel great. The truth is, there's nothing easy about firing someone, it, despite what it looks like on TV. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. That said, there's definitely a better and a worse way to do it. When we come back, we'll talk to a Stanford business professor who can tell us what it looks like when someone really screws it up. I study management and I'm around managers a lot and we all criticize them so much, but their jobs are so hard to do. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Let me ask you, have, have, um, have you ever been fired? 
Uh, have I ever been fired? I guess that I, I, I was fired from some jobs when I was, uh, when I was very young. Um, and some of those have been done well, and some of those have been done badly. And I can still remember ones that have done well versus badly. Bob Sutton is a professor of management science at Stanford and the author of several books, including The No Asshole Rule and Good Boss, Bad Boss. He spent his entire career thinking about how we do hard things at work, like how we fire people or how we give people criticism. And what he's come to realize is that oftentimes the worst part of getting bad news isn't the news itself. It's the way it's delivered. Well, well so tell me about, like, what's the one that stands out in your mind that went badly? What, what happened? Essentially, this was um, nobody reached out to me and thanked and thanked me and um, explained the reason for the decision. And, 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 and this, this gets to one of the key things here is that there's a difference in what you do and how you do it. I actually could understand completely why that decision needed to be made, but it was made with no compassion, no explanation. When, when, you, when, when you didn't get that call from someone saying, hey, you did great work, we'd, uh-huh. love, to, we'd love to do it again, when you were kind of de facto fired, what, how, did you, how do you remember feeling? Well, I, I just got an email, and that's one of the things I don't think that you should do things like this over. I just, I just felt hurt and uh, and discouraged, and and I also, and and, and, I, and I wasn't losing my livelihood or anything, but I, but I, I, I just felt, gee, couldn't they have shown me a little bit more dignity and respect as a human being? When Bob was researching the right way and the wrong way to fire someone, he interviewed lots of business people, and, and he would basically ask them, "How do you fire someone? How, how do you take away their livelihood?" in a way that's as kind as possible. And when I told him about Gabe, he mentioned that he had just recently spoken to another CEO about the art of firing. In talking to the the CEO just the other day, I got three stages, uh, preparation, conversation, and aftermath. Okay, so my CEO's first advice is, even if you think you you can't afford one, go talk to a good employment lawyer. So rule number one, consult with an employment lawyer to make sure you've documented everything. Then Bob says, prepare yourself for what is going to be a hard and complicated conversation. And the best way to prepare yourself is by writing a letter to the employee. That just lays out the final date of employment, if there's any severance pay, whether or not the person is eligible for unemployment. And so you just basically prepare the case so that you can have a conversation. But one thing that she really emphasized, by the time the conversation um, happens, you don't want to have to spend a huge amount of time talking about the reason for the person being fired. The goal of the letter is to give your employee a sense of predictability and control over what's going on. And so I went and I asked Gabe what he would write in a letter to Jim. Well, my, my first thought is that, that I'd, I'd be saying, I'm so sorry that this needs to happen. And I'd, I want to do everything I can for you to make it an easier transition to your, your next job. I do have you know, things that I could say about you know, the, the reason that, that we're having this conversation is because I've, I've told you a number of times that you're... You're not seeing the big picture when when we have projects that oftentimes we need to redo the work that that you've done, and that you 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 need to be more detail oriented so that that we can trust that when you have a project that it's done more comprehensively. And then I'd go back to apologizing. Apologizing is a totally understandable instinct, particularly for someone like Gabe, because he really is sorry. 
He, he feels bad, terrible about firing this guy. But this brings us to Bob Sutton's next rule. Do not apologize. You should not say you are sorry, even if you want to. You're not doing the fired employee any favors by apologizing to them. You're just trying to make yourself feel better. You want to be as humane and caring as possible, but don't over-explain. Um, so this notion of sort of letting in doubt, it's really important for that person to have a clear understanding that the decision has been made. And once there's sort of like a crack in the armor, you have two problems. One is, in the worst case, somebody isn't fired who you wanted to be fired. They talk you out of it. And then and then the other case, you kind of just go on and on and on, and you potentially create right. legal problems for yourself and gossip, and, and, and you're prolonging what is just a terrible experience. So my, uh, my CEO who's fired a lot of both women and men says that uh, about half of them cry, including men. And uh, I asked her where she looked. She said, I looked them in the eye. I express sympathy and compassion for them. But I was saying, don't you just want to sort of look down and, and let them cry? And her perspective was, no, you, that's a point where you really have to show human compassion. I thought that was pretty interesting. One of the things to think about, given how emotional this experience can be, is where to have the conversation. Do not fire the person in a conference room or open space where other people can see them. Bring tissues people start crying. You don't want to have them just slobbering all over themselves. So bring bring tissues. And it's really funny. <laughs> she said, don't put the box of tissues out so when they walk in, they see it. Bring it out later when they start crying. And you also need to be prepared for anger. They start yelling at you. They start swearing at you. Uh, these things will happen. And uh, if it's somebody who you think might has a really hot temper or somebody who you have a particularly bad relationship with, that's where, uh, although she usually does it alone, that's where she might bring somebody like the head of HR in with her, both to have somebody to reinforce her and also for protection. Okay, so to recap, don't fire them in a conference room with glass walls. Cut right to the chase. No idle chit-chat. Don't bargain with them. Make it known that your decision is final. Bring a box of tissues, but keep it under your chair until they're needed. And if they get angry, you might want to have another person in the room with you. I asked Gabe what he thought about all those suggestions. You know, I, I just don't think that there's any way to do it where they're not going to feel terrible and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not going to feel just as bad. I think you're right. I think this is going to be a bad day for you and for Jim. But there's ways to make it worse for Jim. I, I'm certainly willing to, uh, to acknowledge that, that this isn't about making me feel better, um, that I'd like, to, I'd like to give this difficult news to, to our employee as gently as possible. I don't want to hurt anybody. And when I see somebody hurting, um, and my first inclination is, how do I ease that pain? When I told Bob Sutton about this, he said, it's totally natural to feel this way, right? It's important to be compassionate. But that doesn't mean you should avoid hard conversations. Instead, what it means is you need to find a way to help people get through them. We can't spare everyone the pain that life sometimes brings, but we can help them bear it. So Ben Horowitz, who's a venture capitalist out here and has done a lot of layoffs in his career as an operating manager, he used to talk about how after he would do a layoff or fire people, he would be visible. He would help them carry their boxes out to the car. He'd shake their hands or hug them. 
that might not be possible in this case, but to the extent that you can treat them like a human being in the process is important. This sounds incredibly obvious, but bad-mouthing people who you fired is generally not a good idea. Uh, the reason is because if, if you bad-mouth that person, then, the ne- then, then everybody else in the organization knows, oh, for the grace of God, go I, and maybe they'll bad-mouth me next. The other thing, in talking to the CEO I was speaking to, she made really clear that people are looking for signals when somebody gets laid off. Gee, is this because the firm is in financial troubles and I'm going to be next or we're all going to be next? And what they did was they sent out a memo. What they said was, let's call the person's name Cindy. Well, Cindy is no longer with the organization and we appreciate her service. Please note that her tasks will be divided up among blank until we find somebody new to fill her position and the position is will be open soon. So... I thought that was a pretty yeah. subtle way to send the message that uh, Cindy's gone and we're all okay and we're safe as long as we're competent. The real problem, Bob says, isn't that Gabe has trouble firing people. It's that Gabe has trouble being a boss. Gabe says he wants to be friends with his employees. But Bob says that's completely the wrong mentality. In fact, without meaning to do it, Gabe is actually making life harder for everyone else. I believe that uh, that hierarchy should be as benevolent, as caring as possible. But the fact is that if you look at how social systems and even ape colonies um, are organized, people do like leaders who are decisive but compassionate. There's lots of evidence to support that they might be participative, but that's the kind of people who I think that we all want to work for. And, uh, and, and you've got to have both parts of the, of the equation. And so to me, my reaction is uh, that might make him feel better, but he is also their boss. There's a hierarchy and he's at the top of it. What do you think that he should do for himself? So let's say he, he has the conversation with his employee and, and whether he should be a better boss and a tougher boss or not, it's just hard. How does he get right with it himself? First of all, let's be clear that talking about this is much easier than doing it. So, the, so I'd rather like study management than do it because I see the amount of pain that people go through <laughs> who go through this. But every boss at every level from first line supervisors to CEO, the one thing that happens is that uh, they often can't believe how much better they feel and everybody around them feels once they've gotten rid of the destructive character. And, and they, the, the reaction tends to be, I can't believe I waited this long. Bob's take was that that you're making a mistake a little bit. That that people want bosses, that they need bosses. And and that that you might be sparing Jim, but that you're actually hurting your other employees. And that that you might be hurting them in other ways by not wanting to be their boss, by wanting to be their their colleague instead. What do you think about that? I'm sure he's right. Um, not providing that, not not stepping out and taking a leadership role when when it's needed isn't fair to the rest of the staff. How come this guy gets to come in late or come in whenever he wants or not come in at all? And as far as I can tell, nobody's doing anything about it. Can I behave that way? Um, and I think and I think that that it's my job to have those those difficult conversations more often than I do. But you know, I, I want to be liked. I. Our, our staff, when you know, if I run into them somewhere, um, an employee, they'll say, "Oh, you know, this is this is my boss." I hate that. 
I, I don't want to be introduced as your boss. I want to be introduced as your friend. And a boss makes me feel like I'm, I'm better or I know more or I've, I've, I'm, I'm more qualified or... But let me, let me push back on that a little bit because you started this company as a high school sophomore. Right. You, you are the most qualified. You're, you're at least the most qualified at running this company. And, and every team, it still needs a coach, right? In fact, this team, it's not so much that they need someone who's, who says, I'm smarter and I'm better. They need someone to do the things that they don't want to do, like fire someone who's not working out. Is it fair, you think, not to be that leader? I am that leader. I, I think I just don't. Uh, I don't act like that leader. So it's it's the the you know the buck stops with me. If a decision needs to be made, I'll make it. But I, I guess I just in high school I didn't think about. Not that it would have changed anything, but I didn't think about these kinds of challenges. I asked Gabe to role play what the conversation with Jim would be like. Let's pretend for a minute I'm Jim. You be Gabriel. Let's let's try it out a little bit. Jim, I. I called you in because I, I, I need to let you go. Uh, I'm, I'm preparing a severance package of this amount for you. I, I care about you and I want to see you land on your feet. I'm, I'm, I'm also giving you a letter of recommendation because I think you have a lot of very strong strengths and this will be, be your last day. Well, thanks, Gabe. I look. I I hear what you're saying, and and I've uh, I've heard you say this before. And I want you to know, um, I'm going to try harder. Like, what 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 do we do to keep my job here? Because I moved here for this job. Like, this job is my life, and I love working with you, and I I like you, and I love my colleagues. Like, tell me what I can do. I, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. I've I've already made this decision. I'd like to make your I'd like to help with your transition to another position, another company as much as I can, but but I cannot continue to employ you here. You know what, Gabe, this is bullshit. Like I've worked here for three years and you've told me that there's stuff I need to work on, but you have never told me what to do different. This is not because I have done something wrong, it's because you are doing something wrong. You are not acting like my boss. If you really wanted to help me succeed, you would have walked me through this. This is the first time I'm hearing about being potentially fired. I had no idea it was this serious. Well, now I'm going to need Bob's phone number because I'm not sure how to respond. <laughs> well, and, and one of the, so Bob said, don't start negotiating. You've already made a decision and you did a great job of that. But the second stage, the second stage is anger. Well, when you were, when you were arguing, when you were getting angry, uh, some of the things you said were probably true. A better leader would have provided this employee with more structure and more expectations and more feedback and helped them improve more than I have. That might be true. But is it compassionate to Jim to say to him, you know what? You're right. It's my fault that you're getting fired, but you're still getting fired. Like if a cop pulls you over and they give you a ticket and you're like, this is totally unfair. And the cop says, you know what? You're right. It's unfair. I'm a bad cop. Here's your ticket anyways. 
Do you feel better about that? <laughs> no, you're right. I'd feel I'd feel angry. Yeah. I think it only feeds your anger. And so if I was Jim, what do you say back to me that you think is the most compassionate thing you can say? That I'll miss working with you as well. I know that this is hard to hear. And I mean it when I say that I I, I will do everything I can to to help you get your next job. I think that's a pretty good thing to say. And I guess that's when you can pull out the tissue box, right? (laughs) Thank goodness you've had it under the desk. Right. There's one more way to look at this. Bob told me this story about a CEO who had fired someone about a decade earlier. And she ran into him about four years ago, and he thanked her for firing him. Um, and he said it was. He, he said, he said it. He was he was doing a really lousy job at the job he was at, and he switched careers, and he's doing great now. So in retrospect, it was one of the best days of his his life, despite how mad he was. So you don't usually get that in life, and I'm not saying that this guy's going to get that, but that was the most amazing thing. I asked Gabe if he'd ever thought about it that way. He had mentioned to me before that that once he himself had been fired, when he was a a residential advisor, an RA, in college. I could see how you could look at it that way. When I was fired in college, I felt like my life was turned upside down because I can't, I can't, I'm not living in the dorms anymore. I'm I'm not an RA. Yeah. Uh, I certainly am not getting free room and board. And I managed to get a uh, a resident assistant job at a really fancy private off-campus dorm that was great. And my grades improved. I was happier. You know, I got to live in this really nice place. Um, I did land on my feet. So I could see, you know, in retrospect, how it was a, it was a good thing. It was good that I was fired and found something better. But in that moment, and, and not just that moment, you know, in the, the weeks or months that follow, uh, of of uncertainty, maybe unemployment. Um, it's not a good feeling. Yeah, no. It's even if you're doing a kindness for Jim, and and I think you probably might be right. Like I think that he he probably feels, and part of him hates going into work because he knows that that he's not doing the job you guys need. Even if he ends up in a better place. There is just going to be a hard period of transition. But looking back on it, are you glad that your bosses fired you as as an RA? Yeah, I am. Um, I wouldn't go to that supervisor and thank them for for firing me, but I'm, I am glad it happened. Thanks to Gabriel Silverman for sharing his story with us and to Stanford professor Bob Sutton for all of his really useful advice. Make sure to look for Bob's books, including his latest, The Asshole Survival Guide. And by the way, just a quick update. The last time we checked in with Gabe, he still had yet to fire his employee. Do you have a problem that needs solving? 
Send us a note at howto at slate.com and we might be able to help. That's howto at slate.com. Also, if you like what you heard today, give us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. More people will find the show that way. Thanks. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening.